Well, happy Mother's Day. Aren't those kids so cute? We are so glad that you're joining us today online. You know, in honor of Mother's Day, I've invited some of the great moms of Stone Creek to join me in what we call the Corona Crew, um, the people who are live here while we're um, teaching this message. But we're so grateful that you're here. And before we get into this message, let me just pray for us today. God, we're just grateful that we have opportunity through technology to just learn, to uh, just hear from our children today. But God, to just be able to dive into what you have for us, Lord, that we be able to have our hearts transformed by the words of Jesus today. We get, be able to get our eyes focused on what really matters, on what's really important. And God, I pray for today for those of us who just need a fresh word of encouragement from you, that you provide that, God, and that you would just help us to be the people you've called us to, to be. And we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in preparing for this message, I asked my wife, I'm like, what, what is it that moms need to hear today? And without even thinking, she said, you need to tell them this. They are not ruining their children. So, so here I am to tell you, you are not ruining your children. They are perfectly capable of doing that themselves, of course. But you know, I think, uh, man, I wonder if you feel like you're winning. If I were to ask you as a mom, do you, do you feel like you're winning? Are you, are you moving the ball down the field? Do you feel like that you're preparing your kids for what happens when they leave the house, that they know how to make up their bed and wash their clothes and brush their teeth and become productive members of society? You know, a lot of women that I talk to, a lot of moms that I talk to, man, if I were to, when I ask them kind of how they feel about being a mom and the job that they're doing and the effectiveness that they're having, they use words like overbooked, overworked and overwhelmed. You know, the average mom works 98 hours a week, 98 hours a week. It reminds me a little bit of the story about the mom who was about to have her second child and her oldest child was about five. And he, she begins to tell him that she's going to have another baby and he's hoping it's a brother. And then he asks her, are you going to have to wear those eternity clothes again? <laughs> and that can be what motherhood could feel like. I mean, it can feel a little bit like there's always these challenges, always these demands, always this anxiety. There's this doubt about whether I'm being effective and am I, and am I getting it right? Am I doing this thing right called motherhood? You know, um, if you feel that way today, I want to tell you, you are not alone. Ladies, am I right? You are not alone. You are not alone in feeling that way, but you're not alone in being a mom. You know, we're gonna to look today at a story of potentially what most people would regard as the greatest mom in the Bible, and it's Mary. But as we begin to unpack her story, what we see in her interactions with Jesus over the course of his lifetime is that most of the time, those, those interactions are filled with maybe some, some disagreement or some misunderstanding or some conflict or some doubt. And we can look at how Mary handled these. And listen, if you're facing some of those today, listen, so did Mary, the mother of Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, you're doing a better job than you think you are. So let's grab our Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. Luke chapter 2. Um, Luke wrote a lot about the life of Jesus. And we see a few stories that he wrote about Jesus as a kid and not a lot, but there's a few stories there. And one is when Jesus is 12. So think of it, just picture in your mind, Jesus is about to, you know, be 13, kind of begin to get in that road to manhood. And so he's kind of in that phase of life. And as we read in verse 41, it says this, it says that his parents, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and his parents did not know it. 
So, so think about this. They've left Jerusalem with their family, kind of like a caravan. Jesus stays behind. He didn't tell them and nobody else did. So, so the one job Mary has is to not lose the son of God and Mary has lost the son of God since he stayed behind in Jerusalem. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey and then they, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Now the word astonished literally means panicked. They were panicked. Then it says, his mom said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Now that sounds like a typical conversation with a teenager, if we're honest. Like, like, why did you do this to us? Why are we in this position? Why have you caused us all this anxiety? Didn't you know we'd be looking for you? And Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand the saying that Jesus spoke to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You know, one of the quintessential stories of Jesus that we have from his childhood is this idea of him getting lost and, and his parents leaving him behind. And, and, and I can only imagine the feelings that that would have generated in his mom, Mary, when that happened. You know, in verse 50, it talks about them not understanding what, what he was saying to them because Jesus is trying to explain what he was doing. It says they didn't understand the saying that Jesus spoke to them. They did not understand. They, they were wondering, hey, are we getting this right? Mary was filled with doubt. Listen, in Mary's motherhood, her journey in motherhood, it was haunted by doubt. You know, think about how the, the birth was announced to Mary, that an angel comes to her and says, you're going to give birth to a son. And I know that you're not married. And she said, the first question she asked is like, how can this happen? She was filled with doubt. Mary was haunted with doubt. Like, does she have what it takes? Man, could she take care of this baby that she's supposed to take care of? Was she going to be effective at raising the son of God to be the savior of the world? Mary was haunted by doubt, much like many moms that I know today. And there is so much that goes into motherhood. It always has, but it seems like today the challenges are different. Did you get the right stroller? Did you get the right swing that wobbles in just the right way, just like the baby's still in the womb? Did you get the right sippy cup so they can get the right amount of electrolytes so that their brain functions will work? You know, there's all these different dynamics that go into what it means to be a mom. And then think about picking classes for your kids. Was it advanced or was it honors or was it AP or were they dual enrolled? Like whatever happened to calculus one, you know? I mean, it's so advanced. There seems to be so much pressure on moms just to get it right. And think about when you brought your child home, you know, you're like, am I, especially your first one, am I getting this right? And they cry all night. What, what do I do? How do I fix this? And then when you begin to help them with their homework and they had that new math and like, what do I do with that? And they become teenagers and you, a whole nother journey begins and there's all this doubt. Listen, and doubt is only cured through action. It's only cured through action. The one thing that you can do to overcome your doubt is to just show up. Just show up as a mom. You know, Mary could have said, well, he's probably back at the temple. Let's don't worry about him. Somebody else will bring him home. But Mary shows up. And I bet for many of you, if you had a mom who, you, who was effective and you felt like did a good job, the thing that you'll remember about her is that she was there, was that she showed up. 
And I think what can happen during this time when there's so much more contact with our kids, there's so much more interaction, is that we can miss these moments. We can miss these moments of just being present. I want you to look at these moments you have with your kids as an opportunity to build memories, an opportunity to leverage these moments for their lifetime. You have unique opportunity to sit with them for longer periods of time around the kitchen table to talk about the things of life. You have a great opportunity to have more fun with them, to mark moments with them that they'll remember forever. It doesn't matter the age of your kids. It doesn't matter. All you need to do is to be sure that you show up during this time. Don't let these moments pass and you look back and say, man, I wish we'd have grabbed more of those or wish we'd have taken advantage of those. Listen, your kids need your voice in their life and you just need to show up. You know, I I think another thing that Mary probably dealt with wasn't just that she was haunted by doubt, but she identified with inadequacy. She identified with inadequacy. You know, so many moms that I talk to feel like they're not doing a good job. They feel inadequate to really accomplish the task that they believe God's given them in raising their kids. And Mary could identify with that, you know, from the very beginning of Jesus' life when Jesus is born in a barn. You know, the one thing a mom's supposed to do is to provide this clean environment for their kids. And what happens is she has birth in a barn and even says, because there was no room in the inn as if there was something wrong with her. I wonder how those play date goes when uh, Jesus runs in and doesn't close the door and someone says, was he born in a barn? Uh, Yes, he was. He was born in a barn. Um, But I can only imagine her feelings of inadequacy because of how Jesus was born and the way that she was raising him. And, And what happens, this gives us an identity crisis. It gives us this identity crisis. And the problem happens is because we have got the wrong standard of keeping score. You know, we we look around at other people for our standard of keeping score. You know, we, we may look to Instagram or Facebook. We may look at what other people are doing or how other families are going and the, the resumes of other kids and our kids' friend group. We may look at the colleges that they're going to, but that could be the wrong scorecard. Listen, everybody wants their kid to do well, but there are more important things in their resume. How about kindness? How about the kingdom of God? How about loving Jesus? How about joy and generosity? I mean, how about integrity? Like those are the things that we need to be keeping score of. Let's, let's don't look around at the rest of the world with how they keep score. Let's keep score the way God keeps score. Listen, we need to refuse to adopt the world's standard of keeping score. And we need to adopt the standard that God has. So Mary feels has all this, all this inadequacy built up in here. She, we think that she had it, always had it put together. She had the right tools. She had the right plan. And so we read lots of books to help us get to the same place that Mary got to. But Mary struggled with the same thing that most moms do. She struggled with inadequacy. You know, Mary also was rattled by anxiety. Watch what happens in verse 48. It says, when her parents, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Again, I said that was panicked. And then his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. That literally means anxiety attack. It literally means anxiety attack. In other words, Jesus, you gave your parents an anxiety attack. Welcome to the club, okay? (laughs) Have you ever, have you ever, have your kids ever caused you an anxiety attack? Maybe just a little bit of panic? Man, just like, I can only think about times maybe when, when one of our kids would take off down the driveway on their bike without their helmet on, or maybe they would run through the house holding scissors. 
Or maybe you would hear this blood curdling scream from the other room and you run in there and all that happened is they dropped their cookie and it broke in half. You know, there's this anxiety, this panic that happens. And can you imagine the panic and anxiety of leaving your kid? Like one of the greatest fears any parent has. I can still remember times standing in the grocery store and, and looking around and my five-year-old's gone and I scream their name and of course they're standing right there. I just couldn't see them. But, but we've had times, have you, have, you ever, have you ever left your kids anywhere? Have you ever left your kids anywhere? We started talking about that this week. There was this time when Debbie and I were at church and we were in two cars and so she thought I had one of them and I thought she had him and we get home and nobody had him. And so that's okay if you meant to leave them, you know, if they're your least favorite, but when you like them, you always want them to go with you. There was this other time we were at the beach with another family and it was at night and we had crossed the street and uh, to the beach and we're coming back and we got back to the house and all the hoopla, we were missing a kid. And so I run back over the beach and he's like, dad, why are you yelling? Why are you lost? And uh, I wasn't lost, he was, but he thought I was lost. And then there was a time on a Friday when we had three of our kids in school and our youngest John wasn't in school yet. And on Fridays, we always did something special like chocolate chip cookies or something fun. And so Debbie goes to the bus stop and she takes John with her and then they all come home and we're breaking out the cookies and brownies. And all of a sudden there's a knock on the front door and our neighbor's standing there holding our son John's hand. They got left at the bus stop. We started wondering maybe we got a problem. Uh, but you know, there, there is this fear of leaving your kids. And I know that so many people are rattled with anxiety because of their kids. And maybe you have a prodigal at home. It could be one who's just wayward, who's just engaged in behaviors you, you would never approve of and know are destructive. And it's just causing this level of anxiety and struggle and distress. Man, it could be a tragedy you've been through that maybe you, one of your kids is going through a health crisis or maybe has gone through some type of accident and it just causes you a lot of anxiety. Maybe just them being away, maybe at college when they are there or some, once they've left the house and you just, the unknown just causes you this level of anxiety. Listen, Mary could identify with that. She was rattled. She was rattled with anxiety. Lots of mistakes that kids made. And here's what needs to happen through anxiety. We need to learn tr to trust God, to trust God through the tragedy. And we need to learn trust through the tragedy. Look what it says in verse 51. It says that Mary, she treasured all these things in her heart, all the things that Jesus had said to her, this whole experience of being rattled, of being panicked, of having to go back to Jerusalem, the embarrassment of leaving your kid behind. It says she treasured all these things in her heart. She learned, she learned to trust God through the tragedy that she went through. You know, there's this pretty cool connection, I think, between these three days of Jesus being lost and another three days that happened at the end of his life. You know, in this particular situation, Jesus was, they discovered he was lost on the first day. They traveled back to Jerusalem on the second day and then they found him on the third day. And if you remember, Jesus was executed in front of his mom on Friday. On Saturday, it was silent, but on Sunday, he showed up again. And I think that there's no mistake, there's this connection during this time. And because of this resurrection, because we know the power of Jesus to save our lives, man, we just, we turn our eyes towards him. You know, I think Jesus, just before he was executed, and can you imagine the pain that mom felt when that happened? Can you imagine the devastation, the failure she must have felt 
to watch your son hang on a cross. And one of the greatest acts of love and mercy that Jesus showed, we see in the, in the book of John. He says this, it says, when Jesus saw his mom, now Jesus is literally hanging on the cross right now at this point. When he saw his mom and he saw the disciple that Jesus loved, this was John, that he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. So in this moment, what Jesus is doing is he's providing for his mom. But notice how it starts. He, Jesus saw his mother. In the middle of his anguish, in the middle of his pain, at the end of his earthly life, Jesus looked down and Jesus saw his mother and he provided for her. You know, I think there's some lessons for us to learn. Clearly, God sees you. God sees you in the middle of your laundry, in the middle of dishes and diapers and bottles and baby gates. Man, God sees you. God sees your anxiety. God sees your questions. God sees your doubt. God sees where you feel inadequate. God feels where your identity's challenged. God feels like where you feel lonely and alone. God sees you. Can you imagine how lonely and isolated Mary felt in this moment? And Jesus looks at her to be sure that she knows that she is not alone. Listen, you are not alone. God sees you, but God also, God also sees something in you. The word there for God, for Jesus looking at her and seeing her means to move beyond the physical appearance into something deeper on a personal level. God sees something inside of you. Now, I think that God saw something in Mary and that's why Jesus was born to Mary. And listen, God sees something in all of you. God sees something. That's why you have the kids you have. You are fully equipped and capable to raise your children. You're not ruining your kids. Man, God has given you the wisdom. God's given you the gifting. God's given you the personality. God's given you the ability. God's given you the tenacity. God's given you the perseverance to raise your children and to do a great job. Listen, God sees you, but God, God sees something in you and maybe you don't even see it yourself. God sees you and God sees something in you today. You may be wondering and struggling with a purpose. I'm just a mom. And clearly you're more than a mom. And we always say that. Listen, you're more than a mom. You're always more than a mom. But a mom's a big part of who you are because those kids are going nowhere. They're around. And it's always with you. Listen, you show up. Every day, every moment, every opportunity, you show up. And God will deal with your doubt. Listen, refuse to go by the world's scorecard. Look at God's scorecard. And listen, learn to trust God even in the midst of tragedy. And if you do that, you will win as a mom. Let's pray together. God, we're just grateful that we have moms. And God, I know that this can be a topic of pain for a lot of people. Maybe their mom was gone too early or maybe their relationship with their mom wasn't great or maybe they wanna be a mom and haven't been able to be a mom yet. And so God, we just pray for healing during a Mother's Day like this. God, I pray that we would just understand what it means for you to see us. 
God, that you step into our heartbreak, you step into our victory, our joy, you step into our, to our um, challenges where you need to help us go in the right direction. God, that we would just understand what it means for you to see us. And God, that we would understand the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus died for us because he saw us separated and he saw the pain it was causing. He saw the, the struggle that we were having separated from God and he died for us so that we could have life. And God, that we would remember that is our, that is who we are. And we are adopted into the family that God has called us his sons and daughters, that he saw us and loved us so deeply that he came for us. And that three days later, he rose again. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for moms. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.